Hello and welcome to Impala's podcast series, 20 Minutes With. If you've got friends embarking on a career in making music who want to understand where the money is coming from, I will recommend you metaphorically drag them by the ear to listen to this captivating episode. I am your host, Juliana Karantin, and today I'll be talking to Jonas Söström from the Swedish label Playground Music. He will explain one of the least understood but thoroughly essential parts of the business, the collecting societies that trace, track, and gather the royalties owed to artists and rights owners when their music is played in public, on radio, on television, at live events online. Besides founding and being in charge of one of the biggest music labels in the sector and being a key figure in Scandinavia, Europe, and worldwide, Jonas was also one of Impala's founders, taking part in what turned out to be the historic garden meeting in Brussels, mentioned by the great Michel Lambeau during his recent appearance here. Additionally, Jonas won Impala's Outstanding Contribution Award in 2017, and he's the chair of Impala's Collecting Society Committee. As our guest today, he will give an overview of Impala's work on this side of the business. Hi, Jonas. Welcome to the show. Hi, Juliana. Pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely wonderful having you here too. So, Jonas... Could you briefly tell us what collecting societies do, reminding us of the different aspects, such as performance rights, broadcast rights, and why they are important? The collecting societies, they act on behalf of all the copyright owners, including our, ourselves then as labels and master owners. And um, they license to, to all the users, you can say, which can be radio, TV, it can also be hotels, cafes, bars, restaurants, whatever, where music is played. And this is a very substantial part of our income in the music sector. And I would say it's crucial for our survival. And the collecting societies, they then grant the license collectively to use all the music. And then and they have all kinds of schemes, uh, how you pay the royalties. It's, of course, very different. The radio might play per play. And, and you identify each track and so on. And, and then if you're in a restaurant or a, on a hotel, you, you pay a lump sum, which then is divided in different ways. Uh, and then this is all distributed to the corporate owners and, and the members of the society. And I would say uh, Europe is um, here a very important part in this. Uh, the corporate idea is actually French. And the whole thing is based on finding ways to achieve a rich uh, culture and diverse music market here because everybody gets paid, everybody has the same access to, to being played and there's a collective licensing which is extremely essential to help everybody to have a more level playing field for, for whatever company or artist you are. So it, it, in a competitive market, this is absolutely needed. That sounds crucial for the entire music system. After all, it makes sense that performers, songwriters, publishers, labels of whatever size need to make a living from their music when it is used by others. 
and collective licensing by the collecting societies has made that possible. No wonder Impala has made sure to have a committee dedicated to it. Could you tell us more about the work of that committee? If you want to be a bit formal, you could say we have three aims. Uh, and it is to, to um, make sure that we, we follow whatever happens in the market and that we try to grow the independence market share and look out for their interest. And we correct those imbalances that, that we see in the market, where we obviously have um, sort of oligopoly where three companies are, are, are very much controlling much of the masters that uh, are the rights that we, we, we collect for. So that's a very careful review that we have to make and the rules of engagement uh, we, we have to be very clear on because in these organizations, of course, there is um, many aspects in how do we decide about um, the, how the money is going to be divided, how do we decide about things. So we really want to be in control of, of that process and we want to make sure that there's transparency and we want to see that... Um, those monies that are received are fairly divided and the, all the members are fairly treated. We also work with our sister organization, IFPI, to make sure that um, we discuss all areas of general interest uh, for the corporate holders, because a strong corporate is, is the base for the whole industry. And, and then we have a lot of issues there where, where we try to close the value gap, uh, making sure we re, reinforce exclusive rights and so on. There's a lot of fundamental work together with IFPI. But in short, I would say transparency is number one, that we get paid in a fair and reasonable way. That's number one. So what the collective societies do with collective licensing is indispensable. But sadly, collective licensing has also been impacted by COVID. Can you tell us in what way? Overall, the European music sector is estimated to have suffered a loss of more than 70% of turnover. And um, this was, was made clear in this study called Rebuilding Europe, published earlier this year. And I think for music companies, the full brunt of the crisis will come later here. We have we've seen it started now, but th this is a long-term crisis. And um, I think um, the impact uh, for Venues and shops, of course, when they've been closed, it is immense. How that will play out in the long way, we don't know. We know that we're not going to get paid as much money from all establishments, hotels, restaurants, and everything. So it will have a long-term effect because these monies are not collected and paid out the next month. They are collected one year and paid out one or two years later. So, uh, of course, um, the impact will be felt for a long time here. And in, in many countries, I think it will be severe. And for the independence, it will also be severe. Plus, this that many bands have not been able to tour. So, of course, they cancel their, their release dates or postpone the release dates because for many bands, the touring is essential to, to, to get attention for the record. Of course. Sounds like some tough times ahead, actually. But in the meantime, it is essential to keep businesses going as well as possible. And to do that, Impala has its own code of conduct and guidelines for the collecting societies. How does that work? Yeah, it sets out the principles of governance, transparency and distribution, which are important to the independence in, in Europe. And I think um, we need to remember here that um, there are so many different territories, so many different cultures in Europe 
We have so many different uh, societies that has grown up for the last 60 or 100 years in such a different environment. So it's not like every society is just a copy of the other. We have a very diverse playing field, so to say. So we have to adopt for very different, um, how should we say, ways of, of, of changing things um, in different territories. Very interesting, very absolutely revealing. In which case, let's look at other aspects of collecting societies. For historical reasons, they are there are collecting societies in different countries, and most are monopolies. Why is that, and how are they controlled? Well, I would say in Europe they are all regulated by, by national law, but also now, of course, EU law. Uh, in those territories that are members of the EU. And, and of course, the members is um, uh, regulating and deciding. Uh, our work is about making sure there's a balance between all these. And for example, voting power for members have been a very important issue in many places that, that are linked to turnover. In other, it's linked to the number of copyrights and so. So it's, it's very different. And I think Regardless, of course, you don't want to have a society where everybody has one vote because then it would be impossible to, to run it. So there has to be some sort of accommodation for size and, and numbers of copyrights. But um, it's also essential in, in this world of three dominant companies that we do not get into a situation where the voting is, is handled by three companies and the rest have no say. That's absolutely essential to the transparency and to the democracy of these um, copyright societies. Now, I hear the EU is also reviewing the current framework rules at collective societies. Does it have proposed or related legislative changes in the works? Correct. And uh, there is an EU directive from 2014, which now is up for review. And the first step is a report by European Commission summarizing its findings. Okay. And what would you like to see in that report? We want to see four things. Uh, first of all, uh, society is recognized as fundamental to the music e ecosystem, which is absolutely crucial. That all societies also apply some sort of, as I said, cap to the voting power so we get a balance in, in the decision-making and how, how money, I mean, the decision-making about how money is going to be distributed, that, that's also extremely essential. And then uh, that all societies analyze all the unclaimed monies and uh, sort of decide how, how that is to be distributed in, in the best way. Because we should remember that, of course, as I said, when a radio TV station play a track, they report that track and that money goes to those right holders. But when you collect money from hotels, restaurants, uh, bars, etc., it's um, money paid for the usage. There is no reporting on every single usage. So you can apply all kinds of different ways of how that is going to be distributed. And that's where you have the transparency issue and the, and the decision-making issues are so important. And then... Um, I would say uh, that we need to address the erosion of our revenues through court cases, which can ship away at our rights. And, and we have seen many cases before and now where, where we have to work hard to protect our rights. And these cost a lot of money. And we have now potential cases uh, called the RAP case, for example, where we would be protecting US or all repertoire that is now free 
But it's essentially, then U.S. reptile would be protected in Europe without us being protected in the U.S. And that would eat a lot of money out of our um, pie, so to say, because probably 25% of the money would go to the U.S. So you take money from the European in, in this mainly and, and, and give it to the majors because those are the ones controlling the U.S. repertoire. And you also have this um, Atres Media case in Spain recently, which is that you should not pay for music used in audiovisual works, which is to be see where that goes. But we are under pressure. So we, we need to be on our feet and try to protect our rights. This is all increasingly intriguing. And it just goes to show how much pressure there is in the industry, which cannot afford to stand still, can it? So what will happen after the report? The report will assess the applications of the directive and its impact, and we will have to analyze that. And among other things, on the cultural diversity and, and on the relations between collecting society and users, we, we will have a lot of interesting material, I think, because uh, that's a key relation. And then we will it will be submitted to the European Parliament and EU government and discussion have to start on the report and, and the findings. And within Pala, we will have a really good look at this and, and make sure that we will be part of this discussion. Because as I said, the, there's so many detailed things here which you need to be on top of. Otherwise, you really will maybe lose out very with big time, and especially if we have the COVID plus this with the US uh, repertoire coming in, being protected, and this that we would not get paid for the visual works, we're facing um, one of our most difficult times, I would say, in terms of revenues. I think that, you know, having worked specifically with trying to collect money from collecting societies for more than 40 years in Europe and in other parts of the world, I would say that when I started out here in, in Scandinavia with this, the money was like, well, come in as an independent, we don't pay you. It was a society and a way of looking at people outside the sort of established business as you would not believe it. We did not even get paid. My thing is that we have gone from an extremely bad situation to a very nice and transparent situation compared to where we come from, but there's still much more to do. And I think we need more people who concentrate on this because without having people who really are into the details in these copyright societies or, or copyright issues, you're not going to be able to get your money paid out. It's a complex, complex thing, and there's a lot of money. On that note, um, you were invited to answer our fun five quick fire questions in five minutes. Are you ready for this? Here we go. What are the three things that stand out for you in the last 12 months? Well, obviously, the COVID um, pandemic stands out and all that implicates uh, all, all kinds of new, new ways of working, uh, you know, working at home, uh, cut down on traveling and everything. I think it's in, basically a new, a new environment we're, we're waking up to and then hopefully now we will get back to normal but I think it's going to change so many things in, in how we work and how we operate. I also think it's been very scary, to be honest, to see how the financial community rush in and buy out all the copyrights that are basically left. I never 
in my 40 years or 45 years seen anything like it. It's on a daily basis, multi-million deals. And I'm not sure that it is, I mean, every time when thing, things happen so quickly, it, it has a backlash, you know that. And when money now gets poured into the music after not being interested in the music business, I'm frightened that it will change the whole, you know, traditional mechanism we have and maybe disrupt the whole thing. Then I, I'm really hopeful about that this COVID and the changes will also give us now a chance to really save the environment because that is the key. If we don't now, after this crisis, understand it's we have to change our behavior, then then I, I lose a bit of faith in, in. So that's the three main topics I would say. Brilliant. Sounds sounds a bit boring. No. That, that those are the ones. No, 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 no. Sounds spot on. What are your priorities for the future? I would like to fight for the record company as um, I think we're under pressure. We need to show that we're part of the culture. We're, we're a, an institution in the culture as, as well as the book publishers. We're under pressure that, you know, we're, we're some middleman that is not needed. We squeeze out money uh, without adding to the pie in many of these um, debates that you participate in. And, and I think we need to raise the question that we are a very important part because if we do not invest in new talent, the whole thing goes down. And why do we invest in new talent? Well, because we, we take the money from those that are successful and we invest it in more exciting things or, or more maybe things that would not have a chance otherwise. So we are making not just the work we're trying to find those talent and develop them, but we're also shifting money from the rich to the poor, you could say. And this is the same in book publishing or film industry and so on. And I think that's sort of, it's forgotten that this is what we do. We're actually sort of helping out to create that environment, which is so much needed. And, and I feel I want to fight for our, our, our sort of standing in the community, if you so want to say. Wonderful. What are you often heard saying? Roughly translated, it's, okay, fine, let's do it. Brilliant. What's your one piece of advice to someone considering a career in music? Roll with the punches. Love it. What's on your playlist at the moment? I cannot live without Neil Young, unfortunately. <laughs> and I have a very big um, interest in jazz music. The moment is Art Pepper. And then I'm, I'm hooked on so many soul things. So Motown is very much part of my daily life. But there's also one artist called Erling who plays saxophone, who I've been listening to a lot lately, who combines some sort of, uh, I don't know, Fela Kuti. And uh, he has a, a song called Stockholm Sunset, which I think is uh, giving me hope for instrumental music. It's a different thing to do instrumental music, but I really love instrumental music sometimes. And I really hope it can get its place back on the scene. Stupendous stuff from you there. So Jonas, it's been a thorough delight having you on the show, explaining how the income of performers, publishers, and other rights holders are being protected by collecting societies and in Parler's mission to make sure those protections are not removed. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Juliana. 